welcome the special guest to us Instagram review, and then it is reviewed. So uh, their products. But before we get started, just want to say I understand that we did miss an episode. We had an issue where our soundboard went out, uh, and then by the time I realized it was out, came camping trip, and then I got back, got it ordered. So it's all set up, ready to go. And let us know how the sound. Reach out to us to a lifestyle at mail.com uh, or reach out to us on social media and let us know. Uh, before that, let's go ahead and get started with the house rules. Let's go ahead. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to this podcast. That is the best way to keep up with new episodes as they're released. Also, if you haven't already checked out our social media, we are on Facebook, Instagram, uh, starting to get real active on Twitter. Uh, all the good stuff checks out to a lifestyle. Also, uh, whenever you're subscribing to our podcast, if you haven't already, leave us a review. That is the best way for people to find us when they're looking for. You can uh, obviously Apple Podcasts is still the uh, you know the main driving force of podcast ratings. Spotify also now has a rating system, which just you know, stars so if you can leave us a review as well on there also go ahead and uh, check us out on patreon anything you guys give is greatly appreciated it goes directly back to this podcast when i had this new soundboard uh, that's where the first thing i went to to you know, get some funds to make sure that we had a good you know, good product I, mean, I didn't just get the cheapest thing out there i got a good product i'm gonna fool with it some more it should make the podcast a little bit more a little bit better uh, so with that let's Let's go ahead and start getting into no the handlebars, no handlebars. I got no handlebars and I'm tripping out. Gonna go right here and she flipping out. Need a way to get out of this head again. Need a place where I can settle in. She knows it's hard trying to make it out. Speed it up when we falling down. Calling my friends again. Say hey man, can I crush your place again? Cause I don't need nobody when I live alone. I get to say my dough and stack it on my own. And I don't need a girl who gon' sing my songs. I'd rather sing my own. With us for this episode, we have Al from Craft Holsters. Al, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about your company. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, Helix. So, first of all, thank you for having us on. Uh, well, uh, so I'm Al. I work at Craft Holsters. We are a custom leather holster company, which means we specialize in uh, creation of custom uh, holsters for semi-auto and revolvers, really more than I don't know, 1,300 different uh, gun models we can make holsters for. Uh, and, yeah, and we specialize in uh, leather craftsmanship, so leather holsters, that's our main thing. But we also uh, have uh, some material on our offer and so on. Yeah, so that's about it. All right. In craft holsters, how long has it been in business? Uh, the company uh, has been in existence for some I think it should be like nine years now, uh, and uh, we are actually based in Europe, uh, which is something not everybody knows about us, uh, and our uh, company actually uh, comes or stems out of a family tradition, so I guess that's a bit of background of who we are. You said a military tradition? Uh, no, 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 I meant uh, family tradition, sorry. Okay, <laughs> awesome. And uh, so I know I'm just... You know, with the pandemic, I started getting into, like, a lot of different things because gun ammunition come by. Uh, and one of the things I kind of, like, got into, really not as much as I have, like, a blacksmith. Um, but, like, one of the things I picked up was leather and just how versatile it is. Uh, is holsters the only thing that your company makes? Because uh, I saw on uh, Craft Holsters, I guess it's, like, any to a larger company, it deals uh, leather working uh, is holsters the only thing that craft holsters is involved with or you know is the larger company also involved in other leather works uh yeah not only uh we supply uh plenty uh different uh gun holsters made of leather right we also offer uh other leather stuff such as like gun belts uh because everybody should carry a proper uh leather gun belt and if it's paired up with a custom leather holster even better right uh then uh there are some other products uh, such as magazine pouches, ammo pouches, uh, speed loader pouches, and stuff like that, and uh, some alternative uh, methods of concealment, like uh, concealed carry bags and stuff like that, you know. Uh, and and also uh, one more thing, uh, you also mentioned our, you called it uh, a sister company. So we are in a way affiliated with some other uh, holster makers who largely work on B2B uh, basis, right? 
well, we are a B2C uh, company, where we focus on customers. Uh, one of them uh, are Falco Holsters, is a uh, also custom gun holster company uh, from Slovakia, and the other one is Vega Holster Company, uh, based in Italy. Uh, they uh, work uh, with us on some products, uh, but we are independent companies, all three companies. Okay. And tell us, uh, how did you, like, what is your position there at Craft Hold exactly got you? Uh, yeah, uh, I, a couple of years ago, uh, I wouldn't have said that I would ever work uh, at a company such as Craft Holsters. Uh, actually, a uh, former teacher. teacher. Yeah, but then, uh, by chance, I uh, got, uh, well, I decided to change jobs and I uh, got involved with the company. Uh, and I've been... Uh, working as a social manager, content creator, uh, something like a feedback guy as well, and uh, a PR guy. And uh, I know the obviously the gun laws in Europe are quite different than here in America. Uh, so, what experience, any type of like, is you getting into craft holding firearms? You know, is I know, like I said, it's very different compared to. Uh, yeah, it is. It's not that easy to come by a license here. Uh, although it's, uh, but yeah, uh, I have, uh, or I should say, I had never been a huge gun enthusiast until I joined the company. I don't really own uh, guns, uh, but I have uh, tried out some of them, right? But I'm not like a, a gun geek. I don't know that much about guns, uh, but I still my attitude towards uh, this industry changed uh, since I joined the company. And what, like, just, you know, uh, I told you I know a little bit about Slovakia uh, that we got here in the United States uh, is Slovakian strains. Um, what uh, is the like, firearm process in Slovakia? I know that there has been some change in the last five to ten years with certain uh, getting more firearm freedom, possess firearms. Uh, well, it's uh, still possible. So, like I said, we have a number of different licenses you can obtain. Uh, they are all labeled uh, with letters of the alphabet, right? So, for example, A, uh, you can carry, uh, you are allowed to carry a gun uh, to protect yourself, right? Uh, something like home defense and uh, personal defense. Uh, then you get another license. Uh, and obviously, I'm not now reading that out uh, from the internet, right? Because uh, I don't really remember everything uh, about gun licenses. But yeah, another one, you are allowed to keep uh, ammo uh, on yourself, right? Uh, and then you have a number of licenses, like for, for example, using guns for sports purposes, you know? And also for uh, if, if somebody is running a collection once, right? But you also need the license. Yeah. All right. It's, it's very interesting, very weird. Um, and, you know, some of the things that we have talked about, especially recently, I guess it's because I know, uh, you know, Slovakia, uh, part of the USSR, uh, what, like, just curious, what is the Ukraine, how's, like, what impact is that? I mean, just pure curiosity. Uh, I know a good friend of ours, or a good friend of mine, good friend of the show, uh, you know, we've had him on. He's, uh, gone over to Poland. What, what's, uh, you over there? Yeah, uh... Uh, I was expecting uh, such questions. So yeah, uh, as we are based in uh, Slovakia, which uh, so where I were, uh, we are uh, heavily uh, concerned with what's uh, going on uh, to the east, right? The border, Ukraine. Uh, I, I'm not like uh, overly paranoid or anything like that, but we are. Uh, so to say, like next in line, right? Uh, shouldn't fall. Uh, but yeah, uh, general attitude is that. Uh, we uh, support uh, Ukraine uh, and uh, that we are against uh, any aggression that is actually going on uh, over there. Uh, yeah. Well, and then something else I could as well is just a refugee crisis. Uh, you see in a lot of the... Yeah, uh, if, if I am not mistaken, it, it's more than 4 million, I think, people that have now fled Ukraine, uh, of whom some... Three hundred thousand, I think, ended up in Slovakia. Uh, I'm, I don't know if all of these refugees uh, really want to stay here, or if they are just, uh, you know, crossing Slovakia, stopping for a while, and then deciding where to go next. Uh, but I think uh, most people are quite welcoming, uh, and they really want to help uh, any way they can. Uh, 
there are obviously some people because it's mainly because of the history of our country that I would say even support uh, Russia in a way. Uh, but yeah, the general attitude is that we are against war and refugees, they have to be helped if possible. Awesome. Uh, and kind of getting back a little bit more into your products. Um, so your holsters, uh, you know, are leather holsters and there's a lot of uh, people out there, especially like on the internet, I don't know how deep you get into the different groups and reddits and, and all that other kind of stuff um, that say leather holsters are kind, you know, they're outdated, uh, kind of fuddish, boomerish, uh, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, I, I definitely, you know, whenever you first reached out a product, uh, I was, a lot of people feel that leather, but I still, I definitely feel that there's still a niche for them. Uh, I feel that there are certain occasions where leather holsters are do just as well as Kydex holsters because we've had and Cliff on the show or sponsor uh, Cold War Concealment make you know make fantastic Kydex holsters. Uh, but there's definitely still a need for a good quality leather holster. Uh, you know whether it be, you know, and I'm just gonna flat out say like I wear a gun on me all the time, and there are certain times where uh, like a tactical looking Kydex. Uh, may not be the best sit, you know, setting for what event I'm going to. Uh, so a leather holster, you know, looks classy. Uh, it looks just, just a little bit better, I guess, like with a suit than a Kydex holster. Uh, so there are definitely needs for that. Tell me about like the different, you know, the the quality leather, the attention to detail. Because you know, when I shortly got into leatherwork myself, uh, you know, there is a lot more to leatherworking than, you know, what you might see in a 60-second TikTok video or whatever it may be. Uh, tell us a little bit about the quality of leather and, and the leather work. Uh, yeah, uh, so first of all, uh, we uh, call our holsters like custom leather holsters or the ones that we are trying to push to the customers most, right? Uh, and that custom uh, aspect, that feature, actually means that every uh, single holster is always customized customized uh, when it's being made, you know, uh, to fit the exact uh, gun it's ordered for, right? So that it uh, so that it provides the perfect uh, glove-like fit. Uh, so that's uh, one thing. Uh, we uh, really want to, uh, we really want everyone to feel like they are carrying something that has been made exactly for their fit because they ordered it. Uh, then, uh, as far as material goes, uh, we are using uh, Italian leather. The finest uh, available uh, full grain leather, some three millimeters thick, I guess, uh, over there uh, in the US. You measure it by ounces, right? So it's like 10 to 12 ounces. That's the type of leather we are using. Uh, then uh, German threads uh, for stitching. Uh, many of our designs uh, feature like uh, double stitched uh, regions of the holster. Uh, so all the important parts are strengthened, you know, to increase uh, durability of the holster, you know, and longevity. Uh, because not everyone can afford like uh, buying a new holster every single year. Uh, and yeah, I guess it's about it. And the price point of you are really, you know, not bad. They're, they're if I remember correctly, it's around like fifty or sixty dollars for just like a plain Jane, you know, level, you know, level two retention holster. Uh, yeah. Currently, when it comes to uh, uh, belt holsters, for example, uh, those uh, come in the region of uh, fifty-nine to seventy-nine uh, dollars. Uh, and the price is always the same. It doesn't really matter how big the gun you want the holster for is, right? So if it's a 10.5-inch judge, uh, the holster is always going to cost uh, the same as a holder for, let's say, Glock uh, uh, 20, right? Or whatever. Uh, and when it comes to other styles, uh, shoulder holsters, obviously those are a bit more expensive because, you know, it's more work. Um uh, those come in the region uh, of like 119, uh, I think, to one a piece, which is not that much, I think, for the quality we provide. Absolutely. And something that I noticed whenever I opened your holster, you know, got it in, uh, it, the, like the attention to detail in the packaging, the, I guess you could say, presentation, I mean, it was, ve it was very professional and it was something that like you ordered uh, a more, ex like a more expensive that that's expected to you know, package. Uh, I mean, just a care in. I mean, I think I took pictures of it, and that's I'm a part of. And you know, it was it was very impressive. I say just that attention, which uh, you know, to me, 
kind of shows in yeah uh, <laughs> thank you for saying that i'm really glad that you uh liked uh the holster uh straight out of the box and that you also like the box itself right i think all of my colleagues they always try to do uh the best they can you know, so that the customer is felt like they are treated in a special way right uh and we also try to combine uh, two aspects, uh, one uh, being like uh, those old time values, you know, like uh, like good old stuff, uh, which is reflected, I think, in the packaging, no way. Uh, and then also, you know, it's important to stick to the modern times, uh, to, even though we are using leather, which more or less like classy, you know, traditional, a bit outdated, as you said, maybe. Uh, we try to give uh, the holsters a slightly more modern look. But, you know, we still combine it with those, as I said, good old times. Absolutely. And something else, too, that I noticed, because, uh, you know, I wore this and, uh, you know, uh, some cheaper leather products that I've gotten before, uh, the stain and the leather, as soon as it got wet, you know, wherever I was wearing that particular leather item, the stain bled out uh, in my clothes or skin. Uh, and when I wore this uh, last week, a very big line of storms through uh, and actually a tornado hit where I was uh, working. They hit all over the state. And uh, I was out there working uh, in the rain. And uh, the holster, you know, that's one thing I, I was kind of hoping. And it was perfect time uh, because this is always the year. I was wanting to see if the holster, you know, if there's a holster that bled onto my clothes. Uh, and, I, and I didn't notice that, you know, water does tricky things to leather. Uh, and it's not like I, I stuck it underwater or went to it. But just, you know, everyday use. Uh, in the rain, you know, it was pretty terrain, but, uh, you know, like I said, it didn't, you know, no stains from the leather, uh, bled onto my clothes, bled my firearm, uh, and the holster held up pretty well. So, I mean, I think, I think for the price point, uh, it is a very good bang for your buck. Type. You're getting a lot of quality for what you're paying. Uh, and we'll say, you know, even like the mag uh, holster, which I was really, really, enjoy, you know, th that's another thing that a lot of people ask. I always say you need to at least carry one extra spag, uh, spare mag with just because of the fact that if you have some situation, uh, you know, the best thing that they have you to do is like bang. Uh, or if that doesn't work, reload, try a new magazine. It might be a, a faulty magazine feeding it. So you also, you know, need to carry that. And that's something else, uh, that, you know, offered through craft holsters add-ons as well. Um, you know, is there any, you know, and there's something else to leather work. Uh, you know, the customization of leather is to put so many designs into leather uh, and all that stuff. Is that something that craft holsters does as well? You mean like the appearance of the holster, engraving something? Into yeah, it? like engraving something into the leather. Uh, yeah, that's something. Uh, we call it a custom shop, like craft custom shop. Uh, and we have our own in-house master craftsman. That's how he uh, call him, uh, who actually does uh, custom made, uh, hand engraved, uh, like everything is hand made. Uh, everything is uh, engraved by hand. He's using any lasers, anything like that, uh, holsters, and he can pretty much anything uh, customer wants uh, uh, on the holster, as, as as long as there is enough room to work with. And what's the type of charge? I'm, I'm sure uh, it depends. What, what, what type? Uh, yeah, we have, uh, let's, let's call it like two tiers of these uh, hand-engraved uh, holsters. Uh, the lower tier, so to say, it's a product that is... Uh, something like readily available uh, on our offer uh it's called uh craftsman's uh, choice if i'm not mistaken and it's a hand engraved holster that comes in three different uh designs uh one of them uh, is made of uh mahogany leather the other one of uh, black leather mixed with stingray leather uh and the last one is made of buffalo uh leather uh, I think it's called, uh, the Ebony Holster or whatever, something like that. Uh, and then uh, the the higher tier, so to say, uh, this one uh, includes uh, holsters uh, such as the John Wayne Holster. Uh, you can find them on our website if you just type in Craft Holster Shop. Uh, you know, it will pop up, and there is a number of different designs. Uh, these start at 299 uh, when it comes to belt holsters. Obviously, you can also ask for a shoulder holster, hand engraved. Uh, those start at 499 uh, but yeah, the final price uh, depends on uh, the, the way uh, a customer wants to customize uh, a selected holster uh, farther, you know, or they can suggest their own design and from that's pretty awesome. Especially, like, I guess I never realized Stingray leather. 
I'm, I'm not sure if it's called leather, but, you know, something. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Uh, and obviously, you know, when you start looking at uh, custom stuff, especially when you have somebody, you know, the saying uh, mastery of having that type of skill, you know, is something that in leather is nothing, no exception. So that is not too much to good quality holster. You know, considering I'm like your basic, your shop, that ship. Uh, you know, adding that uh, master craft that does design the leather, uh, that is too terrible. You know, probably great you know, gift for retirement, gift. So that'd be something. Or, like you said, like John Wayne, I'm assuming you're talking about the old cowboy action. Uh, you know what? Uh, that's actually interesting. Uh, John Wayne, he's engraved uh, into uh, the holster, like his portrait. Uh, but, but the holster is actually uh, available for... Uh, any uh, modern firearm, right? Uh, it's not like uh, the old West uh, type of holster. It's a standard pancake uh, OWB. Now, is that something that you guys make? Is the cowboy holsters? Because you know, there's a uh, uh, cowboy action a sports shoe, which is something to hear on the podcast. We always you know, highlight the cowboy action, the big thing, and a lot of people. Uh, do you, do you guys sell uh, Western style holsters and belt carriers? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, we do. Uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, there are different uh single action uh revolver holsters uh and these can be made for uh uh single action revolvers those old west uh, revolvers uh that come with 5.5 uh to 6.5 uh inches long barrel i think uh and then we also have one other design it's like a cowboy belt you know uh with uh loops uh, for ammo uh and there is a holster attached to it so there, there is something to pick from, uh, even. Uh, That's really cool. Yeah, like I said, uh, I know a couple of people that are, are really into cowboy action. Uh, that is that, you know, it's just buy one, cry one. You need a good leather uh, cowboy action. Or if it's LARP, it's like wider, but Western reenact. Uh, Al, why don't you go ahead and tell them where everyone can find you on social media, on, you know, your website and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, guys, so for anyone who's interested in custom leather holsters for semi-autos or revolvers, uh, you can find us at craftholster.com, uh, uh, or you can just look us up on Facebook, you know, uh, forward, uh, forward dash and craft holsters, uh, then Instagram, our handle is craft holsters, so you, you can find us. We have recently started our own TikTok channel, but we are not really active much there, but uh, again, it's uh, craft on uh, holster. Uh, and yeah, and if if you have any questions, drop me an email at feedback uh, at craftholes.com. Uh, but our website, craftholes. Awesome. And Al, you said you want to stick around and, and give some commentary on some of the news articles? Uh, actually, Nick, I, I would love to, but I am afraid that I will uh, have to run because, uh, again, uh, somewhere runs uh, to run before I can go to bed. But uh, can hear. But, but yeah, uh, Really, thank you a lot for having uh, me on, uh, for giving us a shout out. I'm glad that you are enjoying the holster, and I hope that uh, some of your followers will be in what we uh, do as well. Awesome. Thank you very much, Al, for coming on, and appreciate you the products. And with that, let's go ahead and start getting on to the show. Thanks for coming on, Al. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, we want to greatly appreciate Al for coming on and talking about craft holsters and we greatly appreciate them for myself for review uh it was a great interview very interesting and like i said you know leather holsters is a very niche thing but i also feel that it's pretty important because of the fact that it is something that i think we should all still utilize in certain conditions um you know like i said it was something that i didn't wear all the time when I was testing it, just because of the fact that there were certain times we needed to wear, a, you know, a proper degrade holster. Uh, but it was something that I did wear whenever I was out and about doing like office stuff, things like that. And it was it was very comfortable. It's some we'll talk about again time. But let's go on to get into the main segment of the podcast. The first up, uh, first topic we'll be covering. Of course, we're always all about the shooting sports, so we're going to talk about. Uh, uh, the tactical games, and this is something that we talked about in the last episode. Uh, and this story comes to us from Amelan and is uh, titled Blackhawk Athlete Zach Rodman's First at Utah Tactical. And like I said, if you aren't familiar, uh, if you didn't listen to the last episode, the tactical games is kind of a mix between uh, CrossFit and shooting. 
Uh, it is very much more physically oriented versus something like USPSA, IDPA, the normal stuff that we cover on this podcast. Uh, he is a, you know, Rodman is a 15-year veteran of the Kokomo, Indiana Police Force and SWAT team. Uh, he utilized the Blackhawks T-Holster Series and New Foundation Series Tech Nylon gear, including plate carrier belt and pouches throughout the competition. Uh, so that is a definite, you know, like I said, we're always going to highlight the shooting sports because shooting sports is very positive. Going on to the next story about the shooting sports, this is from Amelan, uh, and its title is De Tavernier Wins the Women's Double Trap Division. Uh, now, trap is you know, basically clay shooting. Uh, this was held in San Antonio, Texas. It was the ACU, ACUI Collegiate Clay Targets National Championships. Uh, and Federal Ammunition sponsored uh, Peyton, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing this last name, I'm used to it, uh, D. Tavernier. Uh, she won the Women's Double Trap Division, also claimed the Combined American Trap Events overall title. Uh, she's now a national championship, and she's a college student uh, with the shooting sports shotgun at Dwayne University in Nebraska. So that's our next article. Talks about Team Federal at the Mountain 3-Gun Match. This comes to us from Amaland as well. And uh, Team Federal had an exciting showing at the uh, 26th Annual Superstition Mountain Mystery 3-Gun Match held at Rio del Salado Sportsman Club in Mason, Arizona. Uh, it is a, you know, Pretty prestigious match. It's highly regarded uh, in the shooting community because it's got, you know, like I said, three guns in it. So three shooting dis- that's rifle, pistol, and shotgun. So I would suck at it because I'm a terrible shotgun shooter. Uh, but the match, res- match results highlights includes Alicia Burrows from Utah, who won top lady in the stealth two-gun division. And the new team member from Team Federal, uh, Varric B. Beast, I guess you could say. Uh, is from Minnesota, who received top junior honors in the three-gun division. Uh, he also finished fourth out of 85 shooters in that division and 15th overall out of 373 shooters, which is awesome. Congratulations, Federal. Uh, and I think this is going to be our last article from the shooting sports, uh, but this is from Amaland as well. talks about this week uh, on Shooting USA, Camp Perry. Now, if you aren't familiar with what Camp Perry is, Camp Perry is one of the two uh, – uh, civilian marksmanship program ranges in the country, uh, one being at Camp Perry, Ohio, the second being at Talladega in Alabama. Uh, there, these targets were set between 25 and 50 yards, uh, and the shooting position is standing and firing one-handed in slow fire, time fire, and uh, the best will claim the national match trophies and receive the president's one. So uh, that is something interesting. Uh, I believe it's already passed, but... Uh, if you do have the Sportsman's Channel or the Outdoor Channel, uh, this is something you can watch live. So that's something if you don't have, you know, maybe uh, if you still have cable, something you could check out. Or, you know, I wish there would be like a shooting service that those uh, if you have that channel. All right, so the next news story comes to us from and talks about Brownells mag dump effort and effort to raise magazine band. So this is pretty interesting. Brownells is an amazing company. It is an amazing organization. Uh, Pete Brownell runs, uh, obviously, is the owner of Brownells. He is a great guy. He used to, you know, constantly in the Second Amendment fight. Uh, but for every Brownells 30-round AR-15 magazine you purchase, they're going to donate $2 to the Second Amendment Foundation. And now, Brownells magazines aren't that expensive already to begin with. If I remember correctly, they're around like 50. Yeah, here it is right here. They have them in gray, tan, um, a single magazine's 15, 10s, 150, 20s, 243, uh, and then the 100 pack is 14. Uh, so the gray magazine, black, but either tan or gray. Uh, those are your options. And then the tan, a little bit higher, uh, colored, $17 per mag. So uh, the Second Amendment Foundation is headquartered in uh, Bellevue, Washington, which makes this kind of personal to them. Uh, so that's good on them. Good on Brownells for doing this. And like I said, up to June 30th, Brownells is be doing this where they donate $2 to every magazine sold uh, to the Second Amendment Foundation to help the Second Amendment Foundation change this magazine bin. So awesome. If you have any magazine needs, I highly recommend go to Brownells so that way they can. Uh, this next article comes to us from MLN as well. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is calling for a special session, and in there is possibly a constitutional carry bill that should be, uh, you know, that a lot of legislatures down there are talking about putting in there. Um, you know, DeSantis responded to the FloridaChannel.org. 
saying that he would love to have, uh, you know, property insurance, data privacy, uh, and he would also like to see constitutional carry. These are some of the things that he's talking about that he'd like to see brought up in the specials. Um, now, I will say this. I'm not a huge fan of special sessions just because of the fact that I feel if our elected leaders can't get their shit done in the allotted amount of time that we give them because special sessions cost a fuck ton of money for the state. Uh, you got to pay them extra plus, uh, you know, it's just it's a, a waste of money. And if you can't get your shit done. Uh, in the allotted amount of time, then you shouldn't collect the check, period. If you're elected, uh, that would honestly get those jokers moving a little bit fucking faster to getting the job done. Uh, but I just think this is interesting. Florida is a very diverse state. You know, a lot of people think Florida uh, is kind of, you know, like a conservative state, which for the most part it is, but it does have those very liberal bastions of population centers in there. Uh, obviously, Southern Florida being the huge one, uh, also, Jacksonville, Tampa, uh, places like that, you know, they're going to have a very large, uh, you know, Democrat type. And I hate to say, again, I hate to bring up the two parties, but this is just generally speaking. And I don't mean this in uh, concrete terms when I mention liberal or Democrat, Republican, conservative, whatever it may be. I don't mean these in concrete terms. I'm using these as loose terms as the, uh, you know, what is considered a common vernacular for Second Amendment issues. I'm not saying that is correct, but I'm just using this just because it's the company. Anyway, um, so I definitely think Florida would have a humongous impact on the constitutional carry issue, uh, just like Texas did. I mean, when Texas passed constitutional carry, uh, I mean, it made waves throughout the country. And you see that with Ohio. Uh, we're going to be covering Alabama, uh, my home, not my home state, but my state where I live in, um, you know, where we have constitutional carry now. And if Florida does it, I think that's going to be big. I really do. So, But, you know, Florida is also very weird when it comes to their concealed carry permits. It's not issued by any law enforcement agency. It's actually issued by the Department of Agriculture. Which is fuck. Um, the next story I was going to cover uh, is from Amelin, but it's also something uh, that, I, like I said, I'm, you know, very home, you know, home, hits home to me. Uh, is Alabama constitutional carry bill sent to Governor K. Ivey, Meemaw Ivey is what we call her. Uh, to her desk, and she signed it. So we now have constitutional carry starting January 2023 in the state of Alabama. Now, obviously, this was very pushed against by the Chiefs of Police Association and the Alabama Sheriff's Association here in the state. Uh, and because I think that a lot of, you know, quote-unquote conservative politicians maybe feel, I don't know if they feel bad or whatever it may be in regards to, uh, you know, passing this and they feel, you know, the, the Alabama Sheriff Association, the Alabama Police Chief Association, um, you know, feel maybe betrayed by these conservative politicians. They've started a lot of horse fuckery as well, uh, trying to do more uh, anti-Fourth Amendment uh, bills, in my opinion. Uh, so it's, I don't know, like we got it. Now we just got to stay on our elected officials to make sure that they don't sell us down the river just so that way, uh, you know, they can play case type of fucking. Something also interesting, uh, and this is another story from MLM, but kind of ties into the last story. Uh, because of the constitutional carry bill, uh, this also repealed knife ban. So I am super excited about this as well. Knife rights are Second Amendment rights, in my opinion. Uh, so I just wanted to highlight that. And that's something, you know, we talk about knife rights every now. The next story is actually going to bring up knife rights. But uh, knife rights is basically the uh, knife protect, the knife Second Amendment organization uh, like uh, FPC, uh, SAF, GOA, that kind of stuff. Uh, but the next story is from Emlyn as well, talking your switchblade ban repeal sign. So switchblades are repealed in the state of Virginia of knife rights, which I think is great stuff. Like I said, the Second Amendment includes knife rights, in my opinion. Uh, and, you know, especially getting into blacksmith, you know, I am starting to make some larger knives uh, just because, you know, I get to show a little craftsmanship of what I'm And I wanted to, you know, basically carry those around and, I, and i'm glad i can going on into the next story uh, it is also from M and it's titled rhode island stun gun ban rules institutional now i thought this was very interesting because of the fact that there was a statewide electric arm band uh struck down as a violation of the second amendment which is great uh this is something that's very uh you know this is just and this is uh the united states district court for rhode island so it wasn't like a circuit court or anything like that <clears throat> but 
the uh, you know this shows that the you know stun guns, electronic defense weapons, stuff like that is covered under the Second Amendment. So why the fifteens also? You know that kind of uh, this is the kind of things that we need to be looking at and also just you know pushing for our elected representatives, state and federal government, uh, whenever we're discussing. Wanted to throw that out there. Uh, the next one is, this is going to be like a series of stories about the ATF, just because the ATF is fucking going hog, just fucking crazy. Uh, so the first story is from Amaland, uh, and its title is FBI and ATF and a Lover's Quarrel, which I think is a stupid fucking hell. Um, but I thought this was just because of this right here. So <clears throat> what has been going on? is the ATF uh, is the one that uh, deals with NFA items. So uh, in uh, Umbert, you know, at Al v. United States of America, it involved multiple applicants that sought and again seeking relief were all caught up in the NICS system with the FBI recommending a denial concerning the issuance of any NFA tax stamps. And this is when things got a little murky. Uh, because they tried to appeal. During the application process, the ATF relies on the recommendations that come beyond next year. The nuance here is that the FBI only makes recommendations in these cases to the ATF. So the NICS check from the FBI itself is not an actual decision-making uh, process, I guess you could say. It's just a recommendation. The ATF itself are the ones that have the decision itself. Uh, the FBI is only giving the ATF their results, and basically they're saying we have no... Uh, so what happens here is that if there's a denial by the ATF, the ATF has to basically state why there was a denial. The ATF, you know, has been saying this whole time, uh, you know, hey, we're going based off what the FBI said. Uh, but there's been two letters from the FBI to Mr. Curtis W. Gilbert, who is the Deputy Assistant at Programs and Services ATF. Uh, basically, this uh, one letter from 2019 says this letter is in response to a June 19 memorandum regarding the process, the NFA, uh, and the FBI Criminal Justice Information Service. Uh, and the now instant check system, basically stating that the FBI has stated before that it is not responsible for processing NFA appeals. Uh, in response, it says that the ATF has the neither legal or regulatory authority to process appeals for the correction, or I'm sorry, uh, stated in response, the ATF has stated that they have no legal or regulatory authority to process appeals for the corrections system. Uh, and then it's further stating that the ATF is processing NICS appeals would be violating uh, NICS regulations and likely an administrative procedures. Uh, that's pretty interesting there, right? Well, then there's a 2020 letter basically stating the same thing, uh, you know, from the FBI to the ATF saying that for the recent detailed and CGIS Division June 3rd letter, the CGIS Division continues to believe that it's better for the ATF to process all the checks itself. Uh, and it's basically the FBI is, is wanting to fucking get their hands out of the NFA game. Uh, so that's pretty, that's, you know, pretty big because the ATF is actually, and it should be even smaller, it should be gone in my opinion, but the ATF is actually one of the smaller uh, federal law enforcement agencies out there. <clears throat> so uh, the ATF is now basically caught, you know, with its pants down in regards to the NFA denials and these people are appealing, wanting to know what the fuck's going on, and the ATF is saying, we have no idea. It's the FBI, and the FBI is like, no, you guys made that decision. You're going to have to be the ones that answer for the appeal because we just gave recommendations. We didn't actually fucking make it. As so going into the next story, the next story is from Amaland uh, and pre talks about President Biden's budget request targets the firearm industry. So now if you watch the State of the Union or if you saw highlights or if you read the news about it, I watched it just because I wanted to see if Biden can actually fucking stand that long and talk coherently. For an hour, hour and a half, however long the state of the U.S. did, but there was one thing in there that uh, was a little surprising, uh, and now we kind of see why. So he basically said, um, you know, like just double speak. So in the State of the Union address, President Biden addressed law enforcement funding, and he said that we need to fund our law enforcement, not defund our. Law and I, I was a little shocked by that because he actually, up to this point, has been a proponent of defunding the police. <clears throat> So with the President Biden's new budget request, uh, we're starting to see exactly how he's wanting. To. So President Biden is proposing to spend $20.6 billion for the Justice Department for federal law enforcement crime prevention and inter uh, crime prevention and intervention. Tucked into that is a proposal that includes to hire 140 special agents for the ATF 
and 160 industry operations inspectors. So now these are the people that, uh, you know, the manufacturers go through that they, uh, you know, if they have a, a, an item that they want to see if this is if this is lawful to sell. That, uh, so, you know, all this. And like I said earlier, I personally think ETF should be fucking banned. Um, and going with this, uh, the White House, uh, at the direction of the White House, ETF's inspections of NFLs increasingly uh, punitive versus cooperative. Uh, the plan was announced by the White House nearly a year ago in an effort to target what is called rogue dealers, which this is something else is that people have submitted numerous FOIA requests asking the ATF, what do you mean by rogue dealers? Has there been any dealer, like FFL dealers, that has sold guns to people that have are not allowed, you know, legally allowed to carry firearms or own firearms? They have not, get, you know, came back with any of And the reason for that is because I can guarantee you it's a big fucking goose egg. If there is any, it's probably less than five. You know, I, less than a handful. Or, I say five, but I mean, you know, figure speaking, a handful. Just because of the fact that if you have an FFL and you do this shit, you know, I'm sorry, man. Fucking nobody is, you know, especially. So with this, the ATF is now stating the clients and threatening to revoke license for mistakes that did not threaten any public. So, you know, like any fucking politician, you got to look past what they say because of the fact that this is some serious horror. And I can tell you that they're looking to make examples out of this. They're looking to make examples out of people in the end. And this is something to pay attention. Next story from Amaland as well. ATF doubles down on privacy interest excuse in Biden gun case. Now, if you aren't familiar with what happened, so basically what happened is Hunter Biden, the massive fuck up that he is, uh, basically, uh, you know, lost his, you know, depending on the story that you, um, you know, he lost it, he ditched it, you know, whatever it may be. He broke several local uh, firearms. Uh, and then, you know, he, uh, you know, it, you know, his gun was found, all this other kind of shit. Um, you know, a affidavit was, uh, submitted you know, from the secret service, basically saying that there was no records to this, you know, we have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, y'all something stuck in my throat right there. So it's hard for me to, um, the, uh, you know, the ATF is, is one of the ones that investigated this. Uh, and, you know, just trying to show favor, you know, it, the reason why there's been FOIA requests and all that stuff, because it's always ruled that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's been some issues, obviously, uh, because Hunter Biden is, you know, it appears to have numerous things because of who his father is. Uh, he's gotten away with a lot. Next thing uh, from Amaland, FPC statement on ATF classifying some force reset triggers as machine guns. Now, I've seen this through a lot of my FFL friends uh, that they have received letters from DTF stating that if you have sold or if you're in possession of any FRT, which are forced reset triggers, uh, they are classifying those as machine guns uh, and therefore are falling the NFA and the gun. Con now, these are the latest efforts by the ATF to punish and stoke fear uh, among people because, you know, there's been... I wouldn't say, you know, compared to like, say, uh, like a new site, new stock or, you know, something like that. Uh, these just came out, I want to say late last year. Uh, and there's been quite a few sold just because they're pretty fun, you know, things just like binary triggers. Um, these are a lot more cooler in my binary. Um, but the ETF is giving no grace period on this. They're saying you either have to, you have to turn this in, destroy it. Uh, or you can be prosecuted. Now, there's been some other things that I'm hearing, seeing, reading, and you know, a little bit of everything um, that's saying that uh, AR pistols are next up on the chopping block, and that could come in the late summer or early fall. Uh, and like I said, be on the look because this is some shit that the ATF is basic. It's not basically. They are. What they are doing is they are rewriting laws that have been passed by the legislature of our government and, you know, completely interpreting it their own way in ways that are no way in any way, shape or form in the original letter or intent of the law as it was. And because of this, the ATF is just, I'm telling you, it is an organization that needs to be disbanded because as we've seen with actions that they've done in the past and people like David Chipman, uh, that, you know, President Biden tried to appoint as TF and the director that this organization 
has no shame in what they do in that they are absolutely incredulous in regards to their fucking, you know, disregard for what the purpose of their organization is and for the letter of the law. Going on to the next story. Amelin as well. Leaks show ATF lied to persecute Polymer 80. Now, if you aren't familiar with what happened with Poly 80, uh, Poly 80 was, uh, you know, basically targeted by the ATF for their buy, build, shoot kits, which was a Poly 80 frame with all the kit, all the materials that you needed to, you know, after you're done milling the rest of the 20% of that frame, that you can make your own firearm. <clears throat> so. In December 2020, the ATF raided the headquarters of Poly 80, claiming that the company was illegally manufacturing and distributing firearms, failing to pay related taxes, shipping firearms, interstate commerce, and not conducting background checks for its popular buy-build shoot kits. Uh, and basically, what happened was is the ATF had a flawed logic or a flawed legal theory, uh, and demanded, you know, why did they demand? That the AT or the Poly 80 submit a complete standard pistol frame kit instead of just a Poly 80 frame. Well, according to the ATF, the classification, uh, the you know, quote unquote classification letter references not only the definition of farm found in Section 18 uh, or 18 USC, which in United States Code Section 921A3, but also the definition of a handgun found in Section 921A29, where a handgun is defined as farm. With a short stock and is designed to be held and fired by the use of any combination of parts from can be assembled. ATF's letter to the Polyady claims that while the Polyady frame farm itself went other parts, the package of parts from can be assembled. Well, yeah, after you do some fucking milling to it, and on contrary, the full statute reads as follows, is that the term handgun means a firearm is a short stock and is designed to be held and fired by the use of a single hand and any combination from which a firearm, this is where they left out, described in subparagraph A, can be assembled. So contrary to the ATF's claim, it is not another way for poly 80, you know, poly 80's, you know, frame is not another way to as a firearm. So just more horse fuckery from the ATF. And then something else that the ATF is just we had covered on the show prior in which obviously has written a story about this is the Valentine's Day informant solicitation uh, or process you know the the little post that they stated where they're trying to basically get people red flag so a FOIA request has been submitted to the ATF to see what this bullshit solicitation was uh, the FOIA request was sent by attorney Stephen Stambulay uh, on behalf of the Emiland um, and this information is in public you know, interest and should be known. And, of course, uh, the Bureau uh, of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives has not responded yet to it. So, very interesting to see what's going to happen to this. Of course, the ATF, and that they're above the law, is probably not respond to this and pull some more bullshit. So, this is something that I was going to talk about earlier. Um, and this comes from jdsupra.com. Uh, which is a news website, and its title is ATF Regulations Coming, Redefining a Firearm, Stabilizing, and Solvent Trap. So now we've already seen this was solvent traps, and this is something else where they also did not give any uh, grace period to anybody that already has these. So now if you aren't familiar with what a solvent trap is, a solvent trap is something that can be used uh, to, you know, catch solvent if you clean your gun, but also it could be used to create a suppressor. So what some people are doing have done is they bought these solvent traps, uh, you know, they're stating for the purposes of trapping solvent, but they are form wanting this solvent trap, which is the process to where you to make your own NFA item uh, into suppressors. And unilaterally, they automatically, I think beginning of March, uh, they completely denied all form ones for solvent trap. And this is something that we have to look forward to, you know, unfortunately have to look forward to probably in regards to redefining, you know, the ATF redefining what a firearm is and then also stabilizing breasts. What I was talking about earlier, AR pistols. Uh, this, I'm telling you, this shit right here is scary. And talking about those Form 1 denial, this is from MLN, pro-gun congressman, questions ATF suppressor denial. So what has happened uh, is a bunch of pro-gun congressmen have come together and wrote a letter to the ATF. Uh, so it was, actually, it was uh, senators. So uh, it started with the leadership of Senator Steve Daines from Montana and 25 other senators wrote a letter dated March 16th to ATF Director Marvin Richardson, criticizing the move and asking a series of questions, perspective, and background. They also stated that the ATF is overstepping their authority by rejecting law-abiding attempts to create and own a silencer, better stated. 
So basically, they're trying to figure out why the fuck all of a sudden did you deny this? Why? What type of ruling did you come up with? Uh, and then a similar later was date, uh, was dated March 18, uh, and it was signed by hundreds of Congress under the leadership of a big Arizona. Uh, who's also raking the House of the Judiciary Committee. So the House letter strongly condemned the ATF's action characterizing assault rights, which it is. Uh, and the House members also asked the ATF to answer the questions that they posed, or like they posed uh, by the Senate colleagues into supporting background evidence. Uh, and I- I'm very interested to see what's this, just because of the fact, that, like I said, the ATF especially does not give a fuck about the cost because, uh, you know, it is a executive, um, you know, agency. Uh, so it's run by the president. Uh, Biden obviously uh, has come out talking about how that there is, you know, a, a huge assault on the Second Amendment. Uh, it's obviously, thankfully, it's not his top priority. Um, but trust me, the, under the right circumstances, if they get their, their banner situation where if there's something that happens, uh, they're going to push for it. And because of this, also, uh, MLN has a story talking about a recent ATF action shows and suppressor reform, uh, which we believe absolutely should happen. Uh, you know, there was a thing going around when Trump was president. Uh, unfortunately, it did not dig it passed, but it was the Hearing Protection Act, uh, which was basically to remove suppressors from the NFA. Uh, and under federal law, you know, firearms suppressors do fall under the NFA. Uh, but, you know, they're especially in countries that, you know, anti-Second Amendment politicians and, uh, you know, anti-Second Amendment people like to tout England or other countries that have very strict firearms. You know, suppressors are, you know, just like going down and, and purchasing ammo. Just because suppressors, you know, aren't, you know, what you see in the movies, they're still loud, but they're hearing safe. They make sure, uh, and, you know, they require it in other countries because it is considered a courtesy to the people around them of space uh, for things like that for them to do what they need to do going on into the next story from him we have a story taught the second demanding investigation of possible law violation by NBC News and the Pennsylvania Attorney General so if you aren't familiar with what this story is it was all about polymer uh, and talking about how quote-unquote easy it is to create a firearm with no background check so if you aren't familiar with what the law is, the law states that, uh, you know, and it's sort of a, a stupid fucking uh, hidden camera investigation. And the MC reporter uh, took his hidden camera into the Oaks Pen Eagle Gun Show to purchase two Palmer 80 Farms kits from Supply. Uh, and those uh, you know, kits, you know, generally called 80%, 80 percenters, whatever you want to call it. And uh, basically what happened is uh, the news crew transformed two completely, you know, complete readily convertible convertible kits, uh, parts that they purchased separately at the show. Uh, and they took them to the ATF. And the ATF previously, you know, viewed the buy-build shoot kits as really convertible and therefore a farm. And the ATF uh, basically, you know, had this out-of-state resident transfer uh, two readily convertible farm uh, kits illegally to the Pennsylvania AG employees to complete. Uh, and there's no exception to law for the AG's special agents, which means that the agents also must obey the law. Uh, you know, go around, uh, you know, speeding, doing drugs, whatever the fuck it may be. You know, they have to fi- uh, follow the law just like anyone else. So uh, this federal law, obviously, uh, and they're calling on the Department of Justice to uh, investigate, which is... And then there's a couple of uh, interesting... Uh, news stories that I want to talk about and especially talking about since, you know, these, uh, you know, anti-Second Amendment politicians are, uh, you know, trying so hard to destroy the farms. Uh, and this is something that, you know, especially, you know, you talk amongst your friends when it comes up. Uh, and the title of it is The Farm Ministry Economic Impact Rises 269%. So uh, since 2008, uh Farms industry in the United States increased from a $1.1 billion impact to a $70.52 billion impact, a 269% increase. While full time jobs from that same time frame rose from 166,000 to 375,000, which is a 126% increase. Uh, and just from one year, from 2020 to 2021, the industry grew from $63.5 billion to $70.2 billion. So if you want to destroy this industry so bad, you're looking at taking that revenue out of America's GDP. You're looking at taking those jobs and putting those people out on the streets to find new work. Uh, that is something that I always talk about whenever we talk about 
you know, people wanting to you know, destroy the gun industry uh, or destroy the Second Amendment and tell them, well, just look outside the of your little, oh, well, we can save, you know, children or whatever, you know, just because there was one school shoot uh, 10 years ago, you know, all that kind of This next article uh, comes to us from the Farms blog, and I thought this was interesting, uh, especially if you're looking at buying some shit around old Fort Hood, uh, and the title of it is $2.1 million in radios, lasers, dicks are stolen from Fort Hood. And, of course, uh, this kind of stuff talks about, uh, you know, radios, thermal optics, IR laser illuminators, that kind of stuff. Uh, so the U.S. Army veterans plus one civilian business, businessman has been charged uh, with conspiracy theft of government property. So if you're around the Fort Hood area and you see one of those, you know, deals too good to pass up, it's probably too fucking good. Uh, this next article comes to us from Tactical Life, uh, and it talks about TikTok. You know, we have a TikTok channel. Uh, we try to, you know, be on there, you know, every so often. I'm only really going there to scroll than more to create content, just the fact that it's stuff. And with how my life has been lately, it's been fucking insane. Just during this podcast, uh, obviously I've had the coffin fits just because I've done a lot of yard work uh, this weekend, uh, allergies type shit, and then my fucking cat somehow. Um, but anyway, uh, TikTok's gun policy does a 180 thanks to you. And I will say this, now during like the first initial Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, man, I'm telling you, like, I got so much news because there is a lot of reputable uh, independent journalist on there that gives a lot of good information. But also you see a lot of videos from the Ukrainian side uh, on talking. And I'm a visual. Uh, I wonder about that. And, you know, if you were on TikTok before all this happened, uh, you know, TikTok is obviously like any other fucking social media platform out there. They highly persecute the Second Amendment, and, you know, a lot of people, it's hard to do that. You got to, like, you know, with any on a, a private range, uh, you know, done by a professional or whatever, keep it up there. Um, but, obviously, TikTok's gun policy has changed dramatically just because of the fact uh, that the Ukrainian war, uh, you know, the Russian invasion of Ukraine is, is going on, and there's a lot of, you, um, you know, putting shit on ticks insane. Uh, the next one also comes to us from Tactical Life, and it's talking about U.S. companies supporting Ukraine with donation gear. Uh, and this is something that I thought was interesting. Our good buddy, uh, Ron, that's been on the show, uh, is actually in Poland right now uh, delivering some supplies, some much-needed medical supplies to Ukrainians over there. And while we feel that you know there is a lot to both sides of the Russian-Ukrainian war, you know, I'm not justifying in any means whatsoever uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, I do, you know, there is uh, some good information out there in reference to, you know, Zelensky, the Ukrainian government. You know, a lot of people are saying we got to def- uh, and shit like that. But Zelensky prison his uh, former rival prison just for being his opposite of shit. Uh, so, I mean, it's not exactly, you know, freedom and democracy that you might think. But that still doesn't give Russia any fucking right to go over there in wholesale slaughter of civilians. Um, Russia, uh, so I just think it's really important that we, you know, talk about these companies that are donating goods to Ukraine, sure that they have this uh, to fight the invaders. So I, uh, Remington CCI spear and federal ammunition are sending one millions of ammunition. Uh, I'm happy for that, but I also hate it just for the fact that that is uh, fucking finding anger here. Adam's Arms is shipping a rifle and is selling T-shirts. Um, fucking no, donate money there. Uh, the NSSF is outlining steps for U.S. companies to support the Ukraine. Uh, Primary Arms uh, created a combat supply donation. You can uh, talk about giving supplies over there. Keltec sent 400 rifles to Ukraine, um, which you know this one right here. So. Uh, just a little little backstory on this one. Uh, Keltec had already had these rifles purchased by somebody supposedly over there, but that person, you know, wasn't going to use them before the invasion. Uh, you know, they purchased these rifles before the invasion, and you know, they're over there, like in Ukraine, around in there, and they haven't been, um, you know, they haven't been able to guys. So Ukraine basically has these 400 rifles just sitting there. Which are Keltec sub two thousand, um, and they're just sitting there, you know, nothing they can do with them because they're already bought and paid for. But they have no idea how to send them over to to people, um, and they're just, you know, shipping them over to Ukraine. So that way, people, uh, these, um, um, and stories. Yep, 
Um, no, that's it, actually. Uh, last story of the mains to talk about here. Uh, and I thought this was just a to throw out there. Uh, this is from WKRN.com. Go fucking. Uh, and its title is Rested After Two Loaded. G- now, if you aren't familiar with what Waffle House is, uh, which just kind of flabbergasts me, uh, still, just there's so many here. And they're good fucking places. Midnight to five or so, Um, every Friday and Saturday. Uh, Waffle House is drunk food. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely. And honestly, if I saw a cook, uh, carrying a gun in Waffle House, I wouldn't fucking back because that's what I expect. It good fucking uh, this, and especially this happened like 150. Um, so like I said, if I saw a fucking employee carrying a gun, uh, I fucking when I worked security at this, I had uh numerous times break up fights between staff, uh, and especially like cook and waitress. Uh, they were and uh, they're constantly fighting. I'm not talking about like just bitching. I'm talking about like full out throwing hands fighting. Uh, so I just thought this. So anyway, with that, let's go ahead and start getting into no the gun gear bars. and review. No handlebars. I can be a little obnoxious, little bit toxic, little bit push you away because I'm not going to say what you want me to say and it's obvious. I got some problems and I don't need doctors. Wait, I got some time today to list off a bunch of my flaws. Wait, nah, I'm feeling fine today. They tell me that I overcompensate. Like, look at me, look at me. The wonder why everyone's looking at me. The center of everything only to me. And it's such a dilemma that I only seem to be happy when I'm being full embrace for the music I'm making but I tend to notice myself thinking I don't deserve it like what am I doing and throw it away I guess I'm doing great and the rest of the uh this is pretty interesting Huge retro fan I love retro shit uh and on the farms blog uh, a genuine Armalite M15 Pegasus lower. This is awesome. Uh, Armalite the AR AR15 uh, original 19 stoner designed AR15 rifle uh, with the Pegasus logo tattooed on my forearm. Uh, and this is your fucking. Uh, I'm planning on next. Uh, this you know get definitely a gun, but Olight is having to our pro. And, uh, and basically what they're stating is that with flash, uh, there's an inadvertent activation and overheated pose. Now. I'm I'm gonna say like a lot of flashlights nowadays. Not all of them, just because there are some. But you know, you're uh, a lot of flashlights. They fucking get so hot. like. There's been like, where I'll have like a pelican, um, really heavy. I'll put it in my pocket. Shit, got it. You know, in my pocket clip. And uh, there's been times where that bitch will get so hot, getting hot, and then I, only my leg hot. Um, so you know, not surprised that that's happening. But just the fact that it's so hot that it is a burn hazard. Uh, new article, uh, or the article comes next, ar- fuck, next article comes for us from the Farms Board, and it's titled, <coughs> shit, Otis Ter- Technology Shield, it seems like there's been a lot of people get their pro game, uh, which I'm, you know, not, not hating on, uh, it's pretty cool, cause, you know, before, when you were looking at really good electronic air pro, you either were looking at some Peltors, or some Howard, L- um, now these, obviously, electronic, electronic versions, that is fuck right now, um, the non-electronic diversion, start at and then you uh which are going to be around the dollar yeah okay so the start seventy dollars the bluetooth which that's pretty cool that's a pretty good i say i've said it before i'll say it again uh, that is so uh this next article comes to us from it is six hour two six zev sao nine minutes so zev's slide two six and i mean it's pretty fucking cool two six um, i guess especially zev zev now if you aren't plastic magazine full uh, and what it is is what looks like um, best way I could describe it um, is look like the sound waves. Obviously, like an got sound, and you put them together, twist twenty dollars a pop. I don't. It's a little raised, uh, and obviously with a little, you know, be good. Maybe it's about it. Um, next article: in Savage Ants gun arrives. Now this is kind of interesting. Um, Savage, kind of a fan of their rifles, do like them. Um, but now they're coming out with a polymer frame pistol. Uh, and of course this nine millimeter, uh, flush seven rounder, probably um, the barrel is, um, I hope it isn't MSRP. This is probably going to come. There, there's the handgun marketed right now. Uh, unless this, unless this, so I'm um, next article from blog. Now this is pretty interesting. Uh, his title is Hilux Optics. This thing, you need to go look up this fuck. It looks like a scope. It, it's, it's something, it's something you would see. That's pretty cool. It is fucking looks like it's probably, here's the thing. Now, of course this is just like an MSRP is, it's, it's cool. Uh, speaking of core the seas now if you are starting to work excited again um you probably uh, boba fett all that kind of stuff these are like imperial beskar steel plates and it's pretty fucking really fun um it's sick they're on sale well, they were on sale uh but the regular price uh, they got one 75 and the last uh revo or a pistol now this is very uh it is almost if you pistol that's um uh definitely it's got a very very trigger well uh, and nearly 
but uh, right it is it is three trigger component and uh the target price that's um it's a very interesting i'd like to put one in. so with that i'm not gonna have a gun culture segment so let's go ahead and start wrapping this. i think they understand my metaphors when i handle bars like handlebars i feel like hoffman with it i feel like mirror with it i got them shaking when they hear me like shakira with it look i can ride my bike with no been reversed it, I never rehearsed it, I come off the top and I still don't be cursing, ah, Norman sends your mother's favorite rapper, and I'm accepted by the pastor, yes I understand my antics do get really hard to fathom, if you don't like me, cool, we all have different palettes, but like I said, we're not having a culture segment, very sorry with it, they're sorry the soundboard breaking, but it's been really fucking nice, a few moments later, um, so with that, let's go. Appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe button. Uh, also, also lifestyle, Instagram, TikTok, Patreon, everywhere. Uh, and speaking of Patreon, please, guys, whatever you guys can give us, hey, I agree. It goes to this podcast. Uh, I shit and put that out there. Until then, until then. Misinformation, making my own interpretation. Watch the mainstream media confuse the people of a broken nation. Death and violence in our faces, desensitizing you through the matrix. Who's to blame for this operation? It's clearly someone manipulated from the sidelines, turn a blind eye from all of the genocide, poverty, suicide, opiates, innocent lives, taken by police, committing homicide. How many have to die before you're thrown to blood and broken bones is fully complete? We're all casually corrupted and killed, trying to make ends meet with a